What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Prison to Promise podcast, where we continue exploring Holly Coomber's extraordinary journey. If you haven't listened to part one yet, stop listening now and listen to part one first. In part two of this compelling series, we pick up where we left off as Holly embarks on the next chapter of her quest for justice and redemption. Here in part two, you'll experience a roller coaster of emotions as we delve deeper into her remarkable story, filled with additional twists and turns. Join us as we uncover the dramatic conclusion of Holly Coomber's journey from prison to promise. Now let's step back into the world of Holly Coomber, where hope and resilience shine brighter than ever. This is part two of Holly's story. Now let's go. Okay, so we're back. And again, Holly, thank you for joining me. And I really am grateful to you for trusting me with your story. And that is very difficult for me because I don't, I'm learning mm-hmm. to trust the male species. <laughs> Absolutely. And I definitely understand that because most of the harm that's done to women has been done by men in their lives and you know i worked at hillside once before and i worked in the girls cottage so just imagine i was a target all the time of girls anger and rage because i represented whatever piece of shit man was in their life right i can imagine yeah so but they wouldn't have understood that that's why they were angry with you Exactly. They didn't know, but I understood. So I was patient with them. I was at Hillside for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Was not a good experience. I I can only imagine because I worked there. So I know it's not a good experience for anyone, the children there or the staff. But as I said to you earlier, you're a survivor. You are a survivor. And here you are sharing your story with the world, traveling where you can to share your story and speak. And your story will serve to give other people hope and inspiration that they too can survive and thrive. Well, I feel like everything that's happened in my life, the constant system failures, all of that did not happen for no reason. There is a purpose. And I'm trying for everything I'm worth to figure out what that is and how to go about uh, fulfilling that And I think that just from my experience, when we're on the path to trying to figure that out and we're sincere about that, it becomes revealed to us. And it seems that that's what you're doing. So it will reveal itself to you if it hasn't already, you know. Or sometimes it comes in pieces. But and because of the way things have been, you know, I I'm unable to get traditional employment. Mm-hmm. It's been six years and nobody will hire me. 
And so you've everybody's, been awesome. Everybody's impressed with me in mm -hmm. my, you know, intellectual accomplishments. Mm -hmm. But nobody will hire me. And so you've been out of prison for six years. Yes, I got out in 2018. Yeah. So you talk about your intellectual accomplishments. But I don't think that just came overnight. Like you were sentenced to prison. And when right. you got to prison, how much time were you saddled with? The um in Georgia, I was given a life sentence. They wanted they tried to scare me by saying, you know, um, yes, Your Honor, we're seeking the death penalty in this case. And no, we can't we can't give her the electric chair, but we can give her give her a lethal injection. So to me, that was like I've fought all this time to stay alive. And y'all are gonna kill me. <laughs> yeah, that had to be harrowing, scary, and all of that. Because I had no I had no family. I was alone. Mm -hmm. And I had a um, public defender, which is mm -hmm. an a, is another thing that, again, another system. Yeah, I had a public defender who had never had a. Um, he was green. He had never had a death penalty case before. And you know what we call them? Public defend, uh, public pretenders. Uh oh. Because <laughs> oh. yeah, they're green, and a lot of times, even if they're not green, they're overworked. They can't put in the time that someone needs to be defended. And so often, and he's he's actually the one that told me to take the plea deal, which was not. You know how they call them a plea bargain. It was not a bargain. It was just but a plea. I didn't know that at the time. And um, so I ended up with um, Life Plus Five in Georgia. And um, at the time, a life sentence, you came up for parole after seven years. But by the time I reached seven years, it was nine years. By the time I reached nine years, it was 14 years. By the time I reached 14 years, it was 21 years. They just kept moving the goalpost on you. Right. And, and then you had asked me about the sentence. So in New York, I received um, 12 and a half to 25 and 5 to 15. They were concurrent mm -hmm. and were supposed to be concurrent with my Georgia sentence. But the way that it ended up getting sentenced was that it was consecutive to my Georgia sentence. So one right after the next. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they were trying to keep you in there forever. Yes. There was a higher plan because here you are talking to me without the six jaws. So that's a beautiful thing, my friend. But tell me yeah. this. Tell me this. During that time, all that time that you did, um, at what point did you start to, I guess, try to take control of your life and try to find some direction for yourself, even though you were in this hell? Well, it was not until I was, mind you, I was 17 when I went to prison. First five years I did in isolation. five years straight, and I was sexually assaulted while I was in there. 
that would drive someone out of their mind. That's torture on top of torture. And um, I did eventually try to kill myself. Yeah. I saw women get, they where they were using tasers. Mm -hmm. They would use it and hold it until you could smell the skin burning. Mm. That's torture. That's all torture. And um, I couldn't, I mean, back then they didn't have mandatory outside recreation. So I never went outside. And from the time I was 17 to the time I was 21. And then there was this big thing called Cason versus Seconder in Georgia. And um, there was a bunch of Jane Doe's and I was one, one of them. And they eventually let me out because of that big lawsuit. But I couldn't go through with it because I was too mentally unstable. Yeah, well, and that's what solitary does. It destroys a person, as you know, I don't even have to tell you, but it destroys a person physically and psychologically. But again, here you are. You <laughs> push through. I'm sure like all of us, you got your scar tissue, you got your trauma, but you're here. It didn't kill you. It didn't break you. My little saying that I've been saying here a lot lately is, and still I strive. Yeah. And still I strive. That's right. Like Maya Angelou wrote, and still I rise. Right. Still I rise. And that's right. That's what I took it from. Mm -hmm. Right on. Right on. That spirit is strong. That spirit is strong. That desire to live, continue to push even in your darkest moments. That's what I'm hearing. Of course, because there's, there's, you have, ultimately you have two choices. Mm -hmm. You're going to do it or die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It ultimately boils down to do it or die. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's no, there's no in between. There's no gray matter. Yeah, it's black and, and white. So I chose to do it the best that I could. Mm -hmm. And um, when they first let me out of out of isolation, I hid under the stairs because I didn't, I couldn't function. Yeah. I was petrified. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know them kind of, I know that story. I know that experience. Isolation is not something any human being should be subjected to. Say more about And that. I understand that there's people that need to be in prison. Mm -hmm. There is people that need to be in prison. Yeah. But that should solely be to protect society. And not to further traumatize them. Not to dehumanize them. Right. A prison should, in itself should be the punishment. Just being in prison. Not going to prison and then being punished more while you're in prison. With right. sexual assault and isolation and all these other things that they do. Poor food, poor health care. You know. All of that. Hmm. So I did 21 years in Georgia. 
And um, during that time, you know, I was going to college, mm -hmm. taking college classes. Mm -hmm. um, I worked at ground maintenance. Mm -hmm. I became, you know, I took um, graphic design. Mm -hmm. I took horticulture. Um, I was a landscaper for the prison. I was known in the prison. My panic used to be such that I um I go into seizures. They don't happen the way that they used to. But I would literally go into seizure because my, my sympathetic nervous system okay. shuts down. Yeah. yeah. And um after the 21 years in Georgia, I went to New York. Mm -hmm. They transferred me to New York where I started that sentence. Well, that was a whole nother thing because as soon as I got there, they put me in um, the mental health unit upstairs, which was like, again, isolating me. Yeah. And I went into one of those seizures and they didn't understand it. And they said I was throwing a temper tantrum or whatever. And so I started off on the wrong foot there. Ignorance of these people, these systems. And they mental health professionals. But they, you know, for those of us who find ourselves in prison, those of us who come from marginalized communities, they otherize us. If we would have come from, say, an affluent background, you would have gotten the help you needed. I, I directly had mental health people tell me, there's nothing we can do for you. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do for you. Mm -hmm. All they were doing was putting out little fires in my daily life, you know, and, and dealing with those little little situational things where I couldn't handle things. I think they don't but believe they, we deserve it. They don't recognize our humanity once we get those jumpsuits on and those numbers on our chest. I believe that too. Yeah. But I believe that, that even if you come across somebody in that situation who wants to help, mm -hmm. it's not the environment to get that help. Right, 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 right. And so even if you got the help in some nice office space, once you leave that office space, the environment is so harsh that you become re-traumatized all over again. Exactly. Yeah. So you're in this humongous circle that, that you know, trauma, re-traumatized, act mm -hmm. out, get mm -hmm. re-traumatized. There's Until you get out of prison, there's no way out of that. Right. Because it takes a, a certain kind of person to be a correctional officer to begin with. Yeah. You know, and um, I watched a lot of women doing a lot of things because of the situation they were in and to get a piece of bubble gum that they hadn't seen in 20 years mm -hmm. because they had killed their abusive husband or boyfriend or whatever yeah. so where does that end yeah where's the protections for people in there 
more so where's the protection for those women as well? Because women tend, I believe, get victimized even worse. You know, so yeah, where are those protections? But despite I believe all, that that men are 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 traumatized by other inmates more than females are. Mm -hmm. I agree. Females, females are hurt more by staff mm. than you know another inmate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's instances I saw people get their whole eyeball sliced by another inmate. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen inmate on inmate violence. Yeah. But for females, I believe it's more. The damage comes from the staff members. I would agree with you. I think men are more explosive, more violent, um, more hostile. Um, though that trait does exist in all people, male or female, we don't see as much violence amongst women in society or in prison. I would imagine. Oh, I've had some. I've had some instances where some people like really went off on me. <laughs> oh yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, mm -hmm. I got to the point where I was so tired of the violence that this girl just kept on and on and on about, you know, meet me in the shower, meet me in the shower. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll meet you in the shower. Now, mind you, I've been beaten and had bones broken and, you know, cracked open heads when I was three. And I mean, there's not a whole lot of female can do to me that hasn't been done. Right. So I went in the shower with her and I was so like, listen, just do what you got to do so we can go. If it's going to make you feel better, if it's going to let you get it out, do what you got to do. It took her like six minutes to get worked up enough to hit me. And then after she hit me, you know, I had a little, I'm old now, so <laughs> I had a little cut right there. And it was bleeding a little bit. And um, and she was like, ah, I made you leak. I made you leak. I was like, okay, do you feel better now? Are we done with this? And I walked out of the shower. Because I just, I mean, where does it end? Right. It has to end somewhere. Somebody has to take that stand. Yeah. And if that if that has to be me, then okay. Let me go back if I could, Holly. When you were in Georgia, you talked about a lot of different programs that you participated in, from landscaping to college and et cetera. And as you were telling that piece, I was thinking to myself, Rocky is starting to make a sense of purpose, find a sense of purpose to some degree, even while incarcerated in this hell. She's finding things worthwhile to do. Would that be accurate, an accurate assessment? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, the, the, um, as things continued on, mm -hmm. the, um, I went with the warden 
down there mm -hmm. to a um, speaking engagement while I was still in prison. Wow. To talk to some youth. Mm. And um, when they took everybody else's handcuffs and stuff off, I said, no, leave mine on. Mm -hmm. Leave them on. I want them to see. Yeah. I want those kids to see what it is. Mm. And that's purpose. That's purpose. You're out there educated at the same time. You could have said, no, I'm not going. That spoke to your heart. That speaks and to it always heart. has. It always yeah. has. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I honestly believe that that all of this, my entire life and the constant, you know, even to this day, mm -hmm. because because of that conviction, because of what he did, mm -hmm. I still can't get a job. Yeah. So I'm totally dependent on my aunt, my uncle. Which is not. All the way healthy. Right. And I'm not in the best of situations. So you, I mean, there's there's only so much I can do mm -hmm. within within the strictures that have been created for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And okay, so I can't get a traditional job. Let me try to create one. Right, right, right. Well, that's what you were telling me before when we talked. But before we go there, I just for the, the listeners' sake, how much time did you do in New York after Georgia? I did 12 and a half years in New York. And what were the things that you did while you were in New York to bring a sense of purpose to your life while you were serving? Oh, like there that? was many things. I did. A, I was I used to be able to do sign language, what you mm -hmm. call signed exact English. Yeah. And um, so I was a sign language interpreter so that this deaf girl could go to college. Mm. I was a tutor. Mm -hmm. So and I was the only female that had their own class without a guard or a, you know, civilian mm -hmm. in a room. I had my own class preparing women to be able to take their entrance exams for college. Nice. I completed my associate's degree in sociology. Mm -hmm. I read every book in the library, <laughs> including textbooks. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of things in 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 that prison that I was the go-to for every inmate to do grievances. Mm -hmm. I wrote everybody's grievances. Wow! 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 So it sounds like you spent time building up your your intellect, your psyche, becoming more than what your body is, but becoming the full expanse or trying to become the full expanse of who you are psychologically and emotionally. Right. And if we think about this, Holly, think about how if you look up in the sky, it's it's endless, right? And that's the same with the way we think, our capacity to think and create. It's endless. And so in a sense, I think we are reflective. We are microcosms of the universe in so many ways. It's a strange you should say that because I, I had to go to a pain management clinic um, appointment um, 
about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I went to the beach while I was there. And it's really, really, really strange that you should say that because it's pretty, pretty accurate about what I was thinking while I was looking out over that ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that it just keeps, it's on and on. It's, I mean, it's so massive. Mm-hmm. It just keeps going on. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's really weird that you should say that. <laughs> and that's the same with our potential to create and to continue to evolve, you know, in a sense, like we think about, say, certain parts of the earth goes through these earthquakes and tsunamis and all of this. But then once it passes, the earth recovers and it starts to bring forth life again. And I think about our lives. We go to prison, we go to jail, we get hurt, we get traumatized, we get locked up. Those are those earthquakes and those tsunamis and those typhoons. But after that passes, and we recover, we begin to bring forth life again, and sometimes even better than it was before we went through our trauma. I know that that in my speaking engagements, there's been professionals that have been so struck by my openness and my honesty and how I see things, mm-hmm. you know, um, that they feel I've helped them, not mm-hmm. only professionally, but personally. Absolutely. We have a lot to give. You have a lot to give. And I think what happens is with those of us who are in prison, I'm going to speak from my own experience. Um, I met the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life in prison, on the yard, in the schoolyard, in the, in the school building, wherever. But I spent, I've been out 25 years and I spent a significant period of my time here in the community on college campuses, engaging with professors, et cetera, et cetera. Still, nobody I met on any college campus, and I say has been more brilliant than some of the men I spent time with behind the wall. So I'm saying that to say that many of us, though we started out rough, we have the same, if not greater, potential in us than anyone else. And I say it's greater. And I say it's greater because we've gone through fire. And you know, like when you put precious metal through fire, it burns off all the impurities and just the precious metal is left. We've been through fire. We're like precious metal now. We just got to know it. You have to be able to know it. And you have to be able to stand the test of time. You have to be able to stand up behind that that yeah. that constant barrage of, you know, um, like I was saying that, that every, I did a total of 33 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So I have no work history yeah. except for prison work which I, you know, you can put it on a resume, but it's only going to go so far. Yeah. And... You got to start somewhere. Though, 
people keep even though people keep saying no to me okay you're you're saying no but there's there's gonna be somebody else yeah there's gonna be somebody else down the road mm -hmm. and if i keep trying then when i go and i do these speaking engagements and i'm before somebody that is ready to just throw in the towel. I've had people tell me before that they were ready to just give up. Yeah, me too. And after hearing me, they think, well, what kind of person am I if I'm giving up after this and here she's still going at it? Now, if, if I can help one person get out of that rut, mm -hmm. just one person, yeah. and they go on and they succeed and they become the best person that they can be, yeah. that's, that, that means that everything that's happened to me up to this point, all that stuff mm -hmm. had a purpose and that purpose has been fulfilled. But with yeah. one person, and Holly, that's why I collect these stories. That's why I've shared my story on this platform. That's why I'm collecting your story and other stories to come for that very purpose to help that one person. Because there's somebody out there that got a story very similar to yours, very similar to mine, very similar to the other guests who've been on here. And if they hear that story, that might be that one iota, that one feather that helps tip the scale for them you know so again I, I thank you so much for your willingness to share this story of yours you know and to be bold about it and and to be open with our listeners if there were say and we're running we're coming down to the end of our time together we got about 10 minutes left but if there were any words of wisdom that you could share with an individual, what would that be? I guess like the 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 greatest thing that I want to express is that regardless of how things look mm -hmm. to you at that moment in time, regardless of how big and overwhelming the situa situation you're in may look at that time. You can make it through it. Yeah. You can make it through it. You have to put that in your mind that you're going to make it through it. A lot of my like um, thought processes are always to be the direct opposite of what everybody has always been to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the situation, I'm going to be the direct opposite. Yeah. Which hasn't always worked. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I'm hearing you say, though, is I refuse to be an asshole. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> do my best to let the best parts of me shine. We're human, so I'm sure that doesn't always happen, but this is where you're trying to go. You're not trying to be like everyone else. Despite, right. yeah. I'm with you, my friend. 
And then it, there's, there's, if, if I had to give advice, yeah, don't let somebody take you away from yourself. That's heavy. That is heavy. It's simple and heavy. Don't let others take you away from being yourself. Take you away from yourself. Wow. Correct. How about this, Holly? What would you share with the general public about the potential to transform or the potential for redemption for those of us who've been in, in, incarcerated? Well, to be totally honest, like I said, there's people that need to be there. Yeah. But the people that show an aptitude, mm -hmm. anybody can transform. Yeah. Put your hand out and help them. Yeah. Help them. Because a lot of times that's all you need. That's true. Is somebody to show humanity. Mm. And that's what's missing in prisons and jails. We become dehumanized by the system and by the people that work there. And I think it makes it that much more difficult for many of us to believe that we can achieve and be something greater. And there's 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 nothing stopping stopping us from being the best selves we can be. That's true. Accept ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And so back to something we said just a couple of minutes ago, we have to know that. Once we know that, then we become, or then once we know that, then we, we can start to become the best version of ourselves. But if we don't know that, we'll stay stuck in sort of like what you shared earlier in the, in, we'll, we'll remain stuck being who others want us to be. Correct. Yeah, you know. How about this? And this this will be my second to last question for you. Um, if you could capture your life's journey in a catchphrase or in a title, imagine you wrote a book about your experiences. What would that title or catchphrase be? Mother, wife, convict, and kid. Hmm. And why so? Because I ended up being a mother. I was acting as his wife. I became a convict. And through all those things, I was a kid. All of them. That's heavy, sis. That's heavy. That's real heavy. And what happens is when we go inside those penitentiaries, no matter what age we come out, a lot of times, we've been slowed in our development, emotional, psychological development. Oh, I've had to do much work just to catch up with, I'm 54 years old. Yeah, we're the same age. And and when I came out, I was maybe 12 years old, emotionally and developmentally, as far as how, I mean, I had people in elevators ask me, what happened to your leg? And I just blurted it out because I didn't know I wasn't supposed to tell people I got hit with a baseball bat by my mom. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to just blurt that stuff out. Yeah. yeah. So I had to learn all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I still make mistakes because 
Absolutely. I'm still not. <laughs> I haven't caught up with my chronological age yet. This is what I realized, sis, for those of us coming out of the penitentiary. We just have to stay consistent and don't try to catch up. Just keep working on it. Because I've been out 25 joints. I'm 53 years old. And I'm still behind in many areas, psychologically and emotionally. You know, maybe I, you know, I'm intellectually, you know, in a, at a place where a lot of us don't go once we come out of prison. You know, I got a doctorate degree, I worked higher ed, but emotionally and psychologically sometimes I'm still that 18 year old kid, you know, who isn't balanced. I'm still struggling with that. I still have nightmares at night, you know, about the penitentiary. You know, I still have like visceral reactions when I hear keys jingling, all of that stuff, you know? So the struggle is real, and people don't understand that. You know, they don't understand that. Do you have any closing thoughts? Is there anything else you'd like to add or any final thoughts you'd like to share for our listeners? Um, I guess my, my closing thought would be my catchphrase, and, and still I strive. Mm-hmm. I would want that to be everybody's catchphrase. And still I strive. And still I strive. Regardless of what somebody else is doing or what somebody else says or, you know, how many times you get shut down. And still you strive. If there's breath in my lungs, I got to keep pushing on. Because only only you're going to, nobody's going to do for you what you're going to do for yourself. That's true. That's true, Holly. That's real talk. And now on the other hand of that, for people that are listening, mm-hmm. think twice and offer your hand to somebody else that's struggling. That's humanity. And with that, um, we're going to call it a wrap. Okay. It was so nice to have this chat with you. And I hope your listeners are um, have taken some of this in. And, and I hope that it, it helps somebody somewhere. I'm sure it will. And once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your trust. Um, thank you for your patience with me. I'm Absolutely. What's up, y'all? Thanks for listening to the Prison to Promise podcast. If you or someone you know would like to share your story, please contact me by email at drcraigwaleed at gmail.com, on LinkedIn and Instagram at drcraigwaleed, and on Twitter at Craig Waleed. I hope to hear from you. Be well. Peace.